to Canterbury Gardens Community Church. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Cameron. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here at Canterbury Gardens. And it's a real privilege to be able to be sharing with you uh, once again. For those of you who have been following pretty closely along with our online services, you'll know that we've actually been beginning a series in the book of 1 Thessalonians. So we've been tracking through that for the last couple of weeks, uh, but we've also taken a few breaks from it, including last week where we heard that brilliant sermon about the Trinity and how it's involved in our salvation. But this week we're back in Thessalonians, and I guess just thought I'd give you a quick recap to refresh your memory uh, of where we've been. Um, you'll remember that this letter was written by Paul, uh, the Apostle, uh, to a church in Thessalonica, I think that's how you say it, uh, and it was written to a church that was actually experiencing some hardship. They were, they were beginning to experience some affliction, and, and I guess the persecution that they were facing was increasing, uh, but also they were dealing with some different issues and struggles within that community. And so Paul's written this letter to them to encourage them and to help them in these things. And what we've seen so far is that in chapter 1, Paul kind of talked about their transformation by the gospel. He talked about how when the gospel came to them, they were transformed and their faith and love were abounding, so much so that they were actually an example to the believers around the area. So we saw in chapter 1 what it looks like to be transformed by the gospel. And then in chapter 2, we saw what it means to serve the gospel. We saw that Paul spoke about how when he came to them, he didn't only preach the good news, but he also gave himself over to them to serve them. We saw what it meant to be a servant to the gospel. And he also highlighted that, that serving one another comes out of a heart that is not seeking, seeking self, but seeking the glory of God. So that was chapter 1 and chapter 2. And as we come to today's message, we're going to be looking at the back end of chapter 2 and then chapter 3. And what we're going to see today is that Paul is going to show us in really practical terms, what it actually means to love one another, to what what it actually means to, to do what he's been talking about in chapter one. What does it really mean that God transforms us to love one another? Paul's going to show us that in really practical and clear terms. And he's going to show us what it means to love one another, even while separated from one another. And so that's what we're going to see in our passage today. So we're going to read through this text. Once again, I encourage you to have your Bibles open to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, I always can't say it, chapter 2. And we're going to start reading from verse 17, and then we'll read right through to the end of chapter 3. Uh, there won't be any text up on the screen today, so make sure you have God's Word in front of you to follow along uh, with what we um, share today. And so Signa's going to do that for us in a minute. But before we do that, why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can be together virtually online. Thank you so much for sustaining us through this difficult um, season. Uh, We just look forward to in hope the fact that we might be able to see each other again soon. Uh, Lord, we just praise you for your word, that your word is still alive and active in this time and working in us. And we pray now as we come to your word that you will help us to have open hearts, uh, to be willing to hear you speak to us, Lord, to be willing to 
to change our actions, but also just to be dependent upon you to change our hearts. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you. pray that you speak now, and we pray that you bring glory uh, to your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Signa's going, re- <clears throat> going to read those verses out for us. So now let's read together from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, through chapter 3, verse 13. So this is what it says. But since we were thrown away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is God's word. Well, thanks, Signa, for um, reading those verses out to us. Now, I don't know what stood out to you uh, when Signa was reading that through or when you were just reading it through yourself, but one of the the clearest things to me that stood out immediately when I read this passage uh, for the first time was it sounds like it's written directly into our situation. It sounds like it's written into our context. Usually we have to do all this work to, to kind of talk about the context that we're, that Paul's been writing in. But really, this one just kind of jumps out as something that's really relevant into our particular context. I don't, I don't know if you noticed that in, in verse 17. Let me read verse 17 again and just think about the situation that we're in and how similar it is to what Paul's saying. Here, here's what he says. But since we were torn away from you, brothers and sisters, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. When I first read that, I just laughed. It's like, that's us in this coronavirus lockdown times. We've been torn apart from one another, but we desire eagerly to see one another face to face again. 
I just found that kind of ironic. But it's also helpful because Paul is actually going to be talking about the way that he showed love to these Thessalonians while he was separated from them. He's going to bring out some really important principles to us in this passage. So I think it's really great that just like Paul being separated from them, we're separated from one another at the moment. That doesn't stop the fact that we can still love one another. And so let's see what Paul has to say in these verses. So once again, looking down at verses 17 and 18. So he says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. So, so I hope you can see, even just in those first couple of verses, Paul's love kind of bursting out of the pages there. He longs to see them. It says that he's been carrying them in his heart while he hasn't been able to see them face to face. And he looks forward to that time when they can just finally be together again. But he also talks about the fact that that hasn't happened because Satan has hindered him from being able to be there. But ultimately what we see is just a beautiful example of someone who's longing to see their brothers and sisters in Christ again. And maybe some of us feel like that at the moment. Maybe some of us feel like that today. We're just longing for that time to be back together again. But I want us to focus our attention on, on what Paul actually says in verses 19 and 20, because I think it's really they're really incredibly incredible verses when we stop and think about it a bit. Here's what he says in verse 19 and 20. Follow along with me. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. So Paul here mentions the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I guess a question for everyone, how often do you think about the day of the Lord Jesus? His coming. I'm guessing that you do think about it a bit, that you have pictured what it's going to be finally like to, to see Jesus face to face. But I wonder also if you thought much about the conversation that's going to happen after that. After you finally see the Lord, what's the conversation that follows? And the Bible's pretty clear that we're all going to give an account for our lives. I think that's what makes Paul's statement here really amazing because he says that on the day of the Lord Jesus, that his crown of joy, that his boasting will be about his brothers and sisters in Christ that he served. That's what he's going to boast about. And then in verse 20, he tells us exactly why that is the case, because he says that the Thessalonians are his glory and joy. And this brings us to our first point. Loving one another means that others become our glory and joy. So think a bit, think a bit more about what Paul is saying here, because I, we don't want to misunderstand it. Paul is saying here that his joy comes from seeing his fellow brothers and sisters grow and flourish in their faith. Paul's happiness was tied up in the happiness and joy of others. And, and this is really just an amazing statement. Now, now he's, not, he's not saying that he's dependent upon others for his happiness. 
No, what he's actually saying is that Christ has so transformed his heart that life is no longer focused on himself. He's no longer focused on the pursuit of his own joy and his own happiness. He's actually focused on others. He's focused on seeing them grow. That's what brings him true joy, when he sees his fellow brothers and sisters growing in their faith. And I think that necessarily leads us to ask the question of ourselves. Is this the same for us? As Christians, are we fixed upon looking to see other believers grow and flourish? Is that what our joy comes from? Is that what our boasting would be before the Lord Jesus when he comes? Look at how those around me have grown. Look at how my brothers and sisters in Christ have grown. And I find this a particular challenge. Because I don't know if you're like me, sometimes sometimes I can get too concerned with my own life and struggles. I can get too focused upon what's happening in my life that really most of my happiness and joy just comes from my successes, the good things that happen to me, rather than focusing on the fact that others are growing, trying to help others grow and them to see them flourish. It's so easy to become self-absorbed. And you know what is really tricky? This can even happen in our relationship with Christ. We can become so focused on our or in relationship with God, we actually become self-centered. Listen to this, listen to this quote that I um, read from a book called Enjoying God. I highly recommend this book. Um, really, really helpful. But he talks about this aspect of finding joy in others' growth, growth. And he talks about the danger of even becoming too concerned with our own um, joy. Here's what he says. Pursuing my joy in Christ can be self-defeating. If it's a self-centered exercise in self-fulfillment, then joy will elude you, even joy in Christ. But if we pursue one another's joy, then our joy and love are made complete. So if you want to start working, so if you want to find joy, you may need to stop looking for joy and instead start working for the joy of others. The strange fact is that you'll never really be happy while pursuing your own happiness. And I just think that really captures the essence of what Paul is talking about here. That he found his joy in the growth and flourishing of other believers. And maybe today, like me, you need to be reminded to take your eyes off yourself. And the crazy circumstances that are going on in this world at the moment. And to focus on others. To focus on the building up of others to pray that God will give us a heart that delights in the fact that our brothers and sisters are growing. (laughs) But also notice here what Paul's really excited for. He's just excited to see them again. He's excited to, to be with them face to face. And I wonder in this really pivotal time for us coming out of restrictions, if that's our focus coming back to church. I think it's so easy to start getting focused on lots of other things to do with church. To be excited about being back in the building or hearing the music or, or whatever else it might be. Rather than just being focused on the fact that we get to be together again. Is that where our excitement and our focus lies? Paul's concern here was clear. He wanted to be with God's people. He wanted to serve them and see them grow. 
And as this happened, Paul's joy would also grow. I think this is a really great picture of what it means to love one another well. That others become our glory and joy rather than the successes and failures in our own lives. And this is really freeing. It's really freeing. Perhaps as we come out of this lockdown season, this is something that we need to take to heart. We've all felt that deep need for community. We've realized more and more the importance of community. And we've lacked that. But maybe this is an opportunity for us as we come back out of lockdown to focus on people, to focus on building up one another and seeing one another grow in the faith. And so that, that's Paul's first point that comes out here. Loving one another means that others become our joy and glory. But he keeps going through this passage and he turns his attention here to reflect a little bit on what happened in the past in order to remind and encourage the Thessalonians in, in, in this struggle that they were currently experiencing. Look at chapter, one, chapter 3, verse 1. Here's what it says. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens. <clears throat> and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and exhort you in the faith. So we see that Paul is saying here that because he missed them so much, because he was struggling in not seeing them, he decided to send his co-workers, his co-worker Timothy, in order to encourage and to exhort them in the faith. And why did they need encouragement? Why did they need exhorting in the faith? Because they were in the midst of some really challenging times. And it speaks about this in verse 3. Let's keep reading through the passage. To establish and exhort you in the faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as, has, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So you see here that Paul is concerned about the affliction and hardship that had come upon the Thessalonian church. And his desire is to encourage and exhort them in their faith, to help them to stand firm, to help them to keep their eyes upon Christ. And so this brings us to our second point. What does it mean to love one another? Loving one another means encouraging and exhorting one another to stand firm in our faith. To stand firm in our faith. And so Paul reminds them here not to be concerned, to keep their eyes on Christ, to not be surprised that this affliction and hardship has come upon them because it comes upon all Christians. We're destined to experience suffering and persecution because of the gospel. But notice here that he's not only concerned with the physical persecution that was coming upon them, but he was also concerned about the spiritual attack that the devil was in their hardship, tempting them away to turn away from Christ, to give up on Christ, to turn to the world. And so we see here the importance of coming alongside one another, to encourage, to exhort, to help one another keep the faith. And that is central part, a central part to being a community that loves one another. 
And, you know, I guess we can't relate exactly to what Paul was talking about here, right? He was specifically focused on the persecution, the physical persecution that was taking place. And we're not all experiencing that. Some of us are experiencing that physical persecution. But as a whole church community, we're not experiencing the same type of persecution that Paul was talking about. But, but really the point of this passage is the encouragement and the exhorting of the faith in the midst of difficult and challenging times, in the midst of persecution, but also spiritual attack in those difficulties. And, you know, reflecting a little bit on 2020, I don't know if there's ever a more appropriate time for us to encourage and exhort one another in our faith than this year. I mean, look at all that's taken place. We're in the midst of a global pandemic that has changed everything about the way we do life. Everything that we would normally do has been uprooted and taken away. We've had bushfire disasters at the start of the year. We've we've got an increasingly unsettled world. We've got the, the drama of what's happening in the US election at the moment and then the unsettledness of China. We've got a world that seems to be becoming more unstable and, and add on top of that the fact that it's becoming more and more uncomfortable to be a Christian in our society. This is a time when we need one another to encourage and to exhort us to stand firm in the faith. And can I admit, I'm not always very good at this. Sometimes I get afraid to to say encouraging things to other believers. Sounds silly, right? I wonder how you go with this. How do you go with encouraging and reaching out to other believers in this time? We need it. In fact, in fact, as a small group, we decided to do this a couple of weeks ago. We had just a time where we decided that if there was anything you wanted to say to anyone else in our group to encourage them in the faith, just to say it. And it was a bit awkward, but it was actually really refreshing because we said things that we probably wouldn't usually say in everyday life to one another. I'd encourage you to do this. Do you find yourself complaining and getting bitter and angry at other believers more than you do encouraging and exhorting them to stand firm in the faith? This is a mark of what it means to love one another, to come alongside, to help one another, to stand firm in the faith. And challenge you to think who is one person or a few people that you can encourage this week. Maybe send them a text message, give them a call, maybe write them a letter and stick it in their mailbox. We need this encouragement in this time because it's a difficult season and it can make all the difference. And let me just encourage you now, if you're in that position where you're just hanging on and things feel like, you feel like it's been one too many difficulties this year, let me remind you that Jesus is still on his throne, that he hasn't let go of you. Let me encourage you to look to him and to know that he is still in control and that by the spirit within you, he can give you the strength to persevere, to fall back to Jesus. We need the encouragement and exhortation of our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what Paul wants to bring out here. Loving one another means others becoming our joy and glory, and also loving one another means going out of our way to encourage and to exhort one another to stand firm in the midst of a challenging season. 
But Paul's going to give us our final point now. And I think really his final thing that he brings home here is the most important one of them all. Let's look at that together in verse 9. Here's what he says. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before God. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Here's our final point, and I think you would have seen it clearly come out in these verses. Loving one another means praying for one another. Now, this might be the most straightforward and simple point, but I think it's the most important one that comes out of this passage. Look at what Paul says in these verses, that he prays for them earnestly, day and night, because he isn't able to see them face to face. So he's praying for them day and night. He thanks God for them. And then he offers up this amazing prayer for the Thessalonians at the end of chapter 3. Paul displays to us that the most important thing that we can do for our brothers and sisters in Christ is to pray for one another. And so I encourage you to reflect a little bit now. How, how is your prayer life going when it comes to praying for one another? Again, I think it's easy just to come to God and pray everything about ourselves, which is fine, that's fine, but I think we need to think about how are we praying for one another? What even systems do you have in place that help you to pray for one another? I know I just need reminders sometimes. So one of the things that I've started to do is I've kind of got a, um, a task list on my phone and I've put, put heaps of people from church in there and I just pick three people a day and pray for them throughout the day or pray for them at the beginning of the day. Just a simple way to remind me to, to pray for those. And actually it also reminds me to, to even ask those people, how can I be praying for them? What are some things you can be doing to help you to pray for one another? And then we see that Paul finishes off this passage with this amazing prayer. And notice in this prayer that he brings home his main concern for them. His request is that their love may abound for one another. And why does he want that? so that they may be holy and blameless before our God and Father at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what he does there? Paul in this prayer is saying, if you want to be holy, to be holy means loving one another. This should be the marker of our lives as believers. And the three examples of that today that we've seen. Loving one another means making others our joy and glory exhorting and encouraging one another in the faith and, and praying for one another. So there it is. That's what Paul displays to us about loving one another. But, you know, ultimately we love one another in this way because we follow after the example of Jesus, right? 
He was all about people. You look at his earthly ministry and, and every step of the way it was about others. He served others. He healed the sick. He spent time with sinners. He, he helped the poor. He constantly helped his disciples. He washed their feet. So many things that Jesus did to serve others. And that's what we read about his whole life, right? He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But do you know what's hard about learning these things in the passage today? Do you know what's hard about looking at Jesus' example of the way he served one another? The hard part is that we actually can't be like him in that. If we could, he wouldn't have had to come to die for us because we're all naturally very self-centered people. And so we can't do this by just simply looking to Jesus' example and trying really hard to do it. That's not what works. And you notice that in the prayer, right? Look back at that prayer that Paul prays for the Thessalonians in verse 12. Who is the one that increases their love for one another? Who is the one that makes them blameless? Read it again. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all that he may establish our hearts blameless for the day of the Lord. You see here, it's actually God who works in us the ability to love one another. You see, we can only actually love like Jesus when we are daily experiencing and realizing the love that Jesus displayed for us in the cross. By daily realizing that he actually delights in us, that he's actually given us his Holy Spirit within us to work in us and to transform us that is not dependent upon our own strength. Only when we realize and grow in our understanding and experience of this grace, when we daily die to ourselves and depend upon the Spirit to work in us and to change us, will we begin to love one another like Jesus did. And so let us depend upon God. Let us pray for one another that this love may increase within us. Loving one another means that others become our joy and glory. It means that we exhort and encourage one another in the faith. And it means that we pray for one another all the while knowing that it's only Jesus through his spirit that can work this in us. And so let us come before him in daily dependence, asking and imploring that he will increase our love for one another. And so why don't we do that now? I wanted to finish today with just praying this prayer at the end of this chapter for us. And I invite you to do the same with me. And not only now in this moment, but as we enter, exit out of this lockdown and hopefully see each other again soon to pray earnestly, night and day like Paul, that we as a church will love one another in this way. That Paul will, that, that God will so transform our hearts that we are a church that is known for this. Pray this prayer with me now, church, as we finish. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to each other. 
And may the Lord make us increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for one another. So that the Lord may establish our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen.